0: If you would find something for the purpose of taking notes, I think you will be benefited today by that. There are several books in the Bible that I consider to be my favorites as far as just listening to them. <clears throat> I uh, I have the Bible app. Read to me. There's a an app that you can get that will do that, and uh, it reads to me all night long. I I take breaks in the middle of the night from sleeping, and uh, when I wake up, I'm hearing it. And a lot of times, there are things that will happen in the middle of the night. Something will will be said or read from the passage of scripture that really captures my heart, captures my attention. And such is the case with our study for today. Uh, When I woke up in the middle of the night one night, I was listening to 1 Samuel. It It was going, and I'd gotten into chapter 28, 29, and then chapter 30. When chapter 30 came on, there was a verse and a question that was asked that I immediately thought, that is so peculiar. It's just... Seems out of place here. It doesn't seem to fit the narrative of what I've believed for so many years in regards to uh, one of my favorite people in all the Bible, David. Now, I'll explain that as we go through uh, because this is truly a remarkable story. It is truly an incredibly sad story. If you, uh, if you like to cry, this would probably be a good one. You can get some tears out this morning, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not what I'm pushing for, but if it happens to work that way for you, that's perfectly fine. I do want you to feel what's going on. I'm not going to be able to adequately describe it, to draw it out to where you're going to be, be able to capture the, the thought from what I say. I, I'm, not, I'm not that eloquent. Um, but what I'm hoping is that based upon what we read in scripture and then as we make reference to those thoughts that you're able just to drop yourself in the middle of this story. You're able to put yourself there to where you begin to feel what these men are feeling. I mean, this is tragic. It's so sad. It's so heartbreaking what is taking place. I hope that you're able to experience that as we move through and the reason I say that is because I believe it's going to be beneficial then when we get to the three points that I want to make today I think it's gonna help you to be able to to uh, feel what these guys are feeling to understand what they're going through because it makes the points that are going to be brought out eventually even that more powerful that much Uh, more important to understand so please listen carefully get involved let your imagination roll as we read through these verses now before we get to the reading I want to back up a few chapters and bring you up to speed as to what's taking place here we find that uh, David who is an incredible warrior an incredible man of God has been fleeing and running for his life from King Saul Now, maybe you're familiar with the story enough to understand that King Saul was so jealous of David he hated him he was afraid that David was going to take his throne I mean David was gaining the hearts of the people the warriors were seeing what a what a great fighter he was what a great leader he was what a great man of God he was and they were flocking to him And King Saul was becoming very, very nervous. In this day and time, people threatened a king or they went after a king or was ready to remove one king and put another in. It wasn't that they went up and said, you know what, your term's over. Won't you step down? We'll get somebody else. No, that guy was going to be killed, him and his entire family. Now, it doesn't really appear that Saul was too concerned about his family through some of the things he did. But nonetheless, he was very concerned about himself. And as a result, Saul gathered his army together and began to pursue after David. This one guy, David said, What am I, some sort of a flea that you would come looking for me? What have I done? Who am I that you would gather your whole army to come and look for me? And yet Saul would chase him through the wilderness and on several occasions David was in a situation where he was so close to King Saul that if he had just simply turned and looked the other direction he would have saw him if he had just turned his gaze around he would have he would have seen David and they could have easily overwhelmed and killed him in that situation, I mean, David was so close one time that he cut part of the robe off of Saul. Another time, he snuck in where he was asleep and he took his water pitcher and his spear. And, I mean, he was so close to him. Now, we know that God was actively involved in this situation, God was at work protecting David. We understand that. And yet, David was a little bit spooked by this. He said, I will not be able to find peace here in the wilderness, even though we're hiding out in a place where no one would want to come. He's still looking for us out here. I can't find peace unless I go live in the area where our enemies are in control. The enemies of Israel. Of course, if you've done much study in these books, you understand that the enemies of Israel were the Philistines. The Philistines and Israel were continually battling one another. The Philistines wanted to destroy the Israelites. The Israelites wanted to destroy the Philistines. They were dreaded enemies of one another. David knew that if he was able to get into Philistine territory, that he could make camp there and... The armies of Israel would not dare pursue him into that area. It would be greatly dangerous for them. And therefore, he could find peace. He could just rest for a change. David goes and he ends up meeting the commander of the armies of the Philistines. And he wins him over. And in time, the commander said, You know what? There's a city out here called Ziklag. Why don't you guys go? And, and live in that city. Take your men, take their families, and, and you just go out and possess that city. Live there. You'll be safe from the one who's trying to destroy you, and, uh, and you can just have peace here. David and his men moved into that city. Ziklak. Wouldn't you have hated to write that on your papers every morning in school? Ziklak. How do you even spell that? Well, to make the story a little bit shorter for the sake of time, it came time for the rulers of the Philistines to determine that a battle was due against Israel again. And so they went out to go to war, and the commander of the armies came to David, and he said, now we've provided you this place, we've given you safety and peace, it's time for you to come and repay the favor, I will expect you to go to war with us. David said, good. Now you will see what I am capable of doing. Now, it's just me reading into this. Please understand, I I didn't find this in Scripture. But as I read through the passage, trying to get in touch with what's going on, I, I, I think that David shows us a little hint of something that you don't see throughout his entire life. On very rare occasions do you get a little glimpse of it. that was pride in this particular situation David indicated you're gonna get to see what I can do now a little bit of pride comes bubbling out of David's life is that important yeah it really is important because the Bible tells us that God resists the proud he will lift up he will exalt the humble in other words, he will engage with the humble. He will be involved in what they're doing. But he will push away those who are prideful. And I think what we're going to read is uh, the, the continuation of this story reflects the fact that God had to distance David a little bit from himself. He just had to, had to push him out there and say, Okay, if it's you, then let's see what happens in this battle. Let's see how this works out for you. Well, the story goes on that David and his men did go with the Philistines. They went into uh, the process of making their way to the Israelites. And as they were going, they had made it no doubt about a three days journey away from Ziklag. And the rulers over the Philistines took note of David. Is that not David. I mean is he not the great warrior who it said he's killed his tens of thousands of people They called the commander of the armies and he said said to him he's not going with us There's no way he's going I mean he, What better way to get in the good graces of his master than to, when we engage them in war, to turn on us and begin fighting against us. And he could be the very reason we are overthrown. He's not going with us. So the commander of the army realizing he's not going to change the ruler's mind, he goes to David, says, David, listen... You know what I think of you. I would love to have you there in battle with us. But the truth is, the rulers say you can't go, so you go back home. Now, there was some back and forth because this made David so angry. And yet, eventually, realizing we're not going to change their mind, David and his men turned around. They started the three-day journey back to their home. It is here now where we pick up the story. One additional detail let me throw out for your consideration The reason I believe additionally, other than what I've already told you, that David was showing a hint of pride in his life, was because of some things we find out in other passages referring back to this same situation. Where David decided that instead of leaving as was traditional, as was normal, leaving some men back to protect the city, to protect their wives and their children, David wanted so much to make an impression on this ruler that instead of leaving some back, he ignored the advice and the wisdom of his advisors, and he took everyone with him. I have no doubt that there were people standing there David, that's not a good idea. David, you, you can't do it that way. David, you need to reconsider this. We have no protection. But David wanted so much to make an impression and believing that because they were in the Philistine territory that no one would dare come into that area. He was going to be just fine. The people were going to be just fine. He said, no, everyone's going with us. Okay, so now they've been rejected by the Philistines. They're on their way back. Let's pick up the story. If you have a study guide or you can follow along on screens, watch what's happening here first Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised up their voices and wept till they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken. verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. So, there's a situation that is developed that is heartbreaking. When David and his men make the three day trip back to the city, they find that the city has been destroyed and that everyone has been taken. They're, they know that no one has been killed in the city because there's no dead bodies, but they do also understand that everyone their children, their wives, everyone is gone. And it is so heartbreaking. The Bible says that they began to cry. These great men of war, these, these fierce warriors were crying, weeping uncontrollably. And they cried and cried and cried until they absolutely had no strength left to continue crying. And they had exhausted themselves. And maybe, maybe you can imagine, maybe you can get a feeling of that pain that they were experiencing David was not excluded from this in fact the Bible says that David not only was crying but David was deeply distressed I mean I can imagine why David would have been deeply distressed in his mind he's got the overwhelming guilt upon himself that he caused this had he followed the advisors their plan, their advice to him, he would have definitely left men behind. They might not have been able to stand off the entire army for a long period of time, but maybe long enough to get to David with others to bring them back through the nights, riding hard to get there to protect the city. David was carrying the weight of the guilt. Look at what I've done. Was it my pride? And again, that's speculation on my part, but it certainly seems to be the case. David was also grieving over the loss of his two wives. They had been taken. He and the other men did not know what had happened to their families. Were they still alive or had they been killed along the way? Were they being tortured? Were they being abused in some way? There was no way for them to know. No way. David was grieving personally. And on top of that, these guys who he considered to be his band of brothers. These, these warriors who he had stood toe to toe with. Who he had stood and protected them and they protected him. Who he had risked his life to save on occasions and they had risked their lives to save him. These people had become so close that they were like family. Now we're talking about stoning David. On any other occasion, that would have never come up, no doubt. They followed David without fear. He was their man. But the grief had overwhelmed them. He was the only one they had to lash out at, and David was going to get it. David was going to get it. We'll just stone him to death right now. This is his fault. Now, I can imagine what would happen if some of us were caught up in a situation that is similar. As I thought through it, I thought of three different ways we might respond. Maybe we would try to take a stand, try to convince them it's not our fault. Hey, there's no way this is my fault. I don't know where you're getting this stuff, but I was just doing what I was supposed to do. It's not my fault. You better just get over this. I happen to believe that if David had taken that approach, it would have gotten him killed. They would have rose up and they would have killed him. Others may have taken the the humble approach. Man, you're right, guys. I made a decision, and it was a bad decision. I've cost us this, and and I'm sorry. You do what you need to do. I don't know if that approach would have worked with these soldiers. I kinda believe that that would have gotten him killed as well the third approach I came up with is well this is going pretty badly I mean you look in the eyes of these soldiers and realize that they're not just uh, they're not just making stuff up what they're gonna do to me this is really in their minds and this is probably gonna go that way quickly And, and I gotta do something and the only hope David would have thought maybe I gotta run, I gotta get out of here. So he jumped on a camel or whatever was available and tried to scoot out. I believe that if he had done that, they would have chased him down. They would have killed him. But but those are ordinary responses, things that I might have done, things that you might have done. But David, of course, was no ordinary person, was he? I mean, you look back through the story of his life until now, this is the guy who as a teenage lad stood before a giant of a man. A warrior. <laughs> David was not the ordinary person. And so as a result, David did things differently than you and I might do. David did something that should be a great encouragement to us, should be a great example for us, something that we would mark and we would follow. What did he do? Tells us in verse 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. God, I need your help now. To, To... to strengthen himself, to seek consolation or strength through prayer because of the confidence you have in the Lord. David would seek God, would ask God for help. David, a guy who was a warrior, who was a leader of men, who was a very godly person, had owned what he had done no doubt and now was turning to God God I'm sorry what do you need me to do here it is here where we find the question that David asked that really threw me for a loop as I was listening to this read. I didn't really understand it just seemed so out of character because David, understanding that his families have been taken, the families of his men have been taken captive, they don't know what's going on, he sees the difficulties that are before him with his own men because of what he's done. Ask God, shall I pursue after them? Shall I go after them? I found that unusual. David's a warrior. They've taken your families, you've got an army, of course you're going to go after them. I mean, what are you thinking? Why do you need to ask such a ridiculous question? Go get your families. But as I began to study this out, God began to place on my heart some thoughts that I think are very important for us to understand. Very important for us to understand. Very, very important for us to apply. Because I believe that there are some very profound reasons David would ask such a peculiar question. Profound, incredible reasons. And what were they? Why would David ask, Shall I pursue? Why wouldn't he just go do it? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. I believe David asked this peculiar question because he recognized the Lord's authority. He recognized the Lord's authority. You say, wait a minute, Tom. He was the leader of the army. I mean, he was the one who called the shots. All right? Verse 8 says, David inquired of the Lord. Lord. It's a specific word used, Lord. Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When the Bible uses the word Lord in that case, telling us that there's something to do, it's not saying that this is just simply a name that you use for Jesus. It's not indicating that, okay, I've said the prayer, everything's fine. No, there's an understanding of position. Lord. God, boss, I have, I have put him in the position over me to where now, because of what he did for me on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood to pay the price of my sin, because he has given me the freedom through the salvation that God has granted me to be removed from the wrath of Almighty God, He now has the authority and the right to dictate what I do in my life. And therefore, instead of making snap decisions, instead of coming up with my own plan and my own way around these things, instead, I say, Lord, do you want me to pursue I'm afraid that so often we consider ourselves to be that ultimate authority. I'm afraid that we get to the place to where, well, I know what to do in this situation, and we just do it. Now, I know God gives us common sense. God gives us certain thoughts in His Word that make decisions clear-cut in some cases. No need to ask. He's already told us. Okay, yeah. Should I go kill this guy? No, God's already told us the answer to that one. And yet too many times we make our own way instead of seeking God's input, God's wisdom, God's direction. Maybe it would do us well to realize what David knew. God is the authority over us. So why would David ask such a peculiar question? Because he recognized the Lord's authority, number one. Number two, if you take a notes, jot this one down as well. Because David didn't want to fight the battle alone. David did not want to fight this battle alone. Uh, David was a great warrior. He was battle-tested. His men were battle-tested. They had defeated many men, many armies, many cities. I mean, this was a remarkable guy, and yet David knew where his success originated. David understood, my success is not based on the fact that I'm a great warrior. My success is based on the one who stands in protection over me. You remember when David was standing face to face with this Goliath character? This giant of a man, David a teenager, him a great warrior from the time he was just a kid. Do you remember what David said after Goliath had belittled him and said, Boy, I'm going to crush your bones into the ground today. David said, The Lord my God is going to deliver you into my hands and I'm going to cut your head off. (laughs) Not you don't know what a great warrior I am, buddy. I have killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands. You don't understand what you're up against. I've got this sling here. Before you even get near me, I'm going to drop you. No. Lord, my God, is what you don't understand. He's the one you don't get. You think you're fighting a little kid. What you don't understand is I've got the almighty God on my side. you know I am afraid too often that we get to the place to where we we struggle with these decisions I'm gonna make it myself and instead of seeking God's help well let's go on a little bit more because I believe there was more to this not wanting to fight the battle alone because David wasn't only I believe looking to the battle that would incur when he went to get his families back but David would also be looking at the battle he was engaged in right at that moment. I mean, the personal battle, the emotional battle, the, the physical battle with his men. They're wanting to stone him. I mean, how do I keep them at bay? David would have been saying, God, do you want me to pursue? You've got to direct me. I can't do this on my own. What do you want? How are you going to get me out of this situation? David understood something that's very important. The battle did not belong to David. The battle belonged to the Lord. God had promised David, I will never leave you. I will never fail you. He said, but wait a minute. He was involved with that prideful situation. That's right. And God had, God had gotten his attention back. God had a wake-up call for him, didn't he? Got back and found his family gone. wow, God, I do need you. I do need you. Now David is crying out, God, what do you want? How are we going to work this out? What do you want? Why would David ask such a peculiar peculiar question? I, I believe, first of all, because he recognized the Lord's authority. Secondly, because he didn't want to fight this battle alone. And then number three, on your study guide or if you're taking notes, I think David asked such a peculiar question because he Fully and completely trusted the Lord. He fully and completely trusted the Lord. I mean, David had experienced many battles. There was many times where he had to come up with a strategy to overcome the enemy. David could have done all of that by himself. But David understood how fragile his thoughts were. Later, he would prove that with Bathsheba Maybe you remember the time David committed adultery, had her husband killed to try to cover up the affair. David understood the the depths of depravity that was still alive in his life, even though he was part of God's family. David did not want to rely on his own thoughts. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your might, don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. David had come to accept and to appreciate the the fact that God had never led him astray. David had come to accept and appreciate the fact that in war after war, battle after battle, fight after fight, God always directed him properly. David knew he could trust the Lord. And he knew that God had a plan. Let me tell you something. This is a hard concept for us. When we get into something really difficult, it's hard to believe that God's got a plan for this. When you're experiencing deep sorrow or you're experiencing grief of another sort, or you're experiencing the betrayal of a loved one, it's hard to believe that somehow God is going to turn this around and use it for good. There's no imaginable way for us to understand it. And I can imagine that David's men were thinking the same thing. How in the world, God, can you use a situation like this for good? Romans eight twenty eight, but we know. And all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. We know that all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, we know that the enjoyable and the horrible, somehow God is calculated into His plan. He's going to use that to bring about good for those who love God. David, because of his personal experience with God, had gotten to the place where he could say, you know what, God? I don't understand your plan here and it's quite obvious none of us really like it but I do trust you and as a result do you want me to pursue you got something else in mind or do you want me to go get them you know God has the right to direct and to dictate what we do in life. He's earned that. If you're his child, he gave you the right to be his child at a very high expense. It cost him his son. And as a result of the knowledge of what God has done for us, we give him that authority. God, I submit myself to you. What do you want in this situation? And we come to the realization that if if we're in battle, we're not battling against flesh and blood. You oh yeah, Tom, you don't know. My boss or, or this person at work or this person in school, you would you have no idea how evil they are. The truth is, as bad as they are, the one that's really calling the shots is far worse. Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood we war against those spiritual darkness And if ever there was a time to make a decision and say I don't want to fight this battle on my own it's any time we're in the middle of trouble God I'm no good against this enemy I need you how do you want me to proceed comes the realization through personal experience through what we read in Scripture through hearing from others that God is trustworthy it, it allows us to have peace even in the midst of the most difficult situation I can have peace cause God is trustworthy God has a plan and his plan will always be good for me so let me ask you a question what are you fighting right now what's going on in your life what are you dealing with right now could I encourage you not to handle this on your own but in fact to submit to God's authority trust him completely and watch him do incredible things in your situation you can fully and completely trust him let's pray father I can imagine that there are those here in the auditorium those who are watching this service live on the internet or watching it recorded have difficulties and problems because it seems like we all do. And I believe very clearly that you have them here for a reason. You know that my heart leaned toward a different study for today. I very much wanted to deliver that study. But you kept pulling me here. And so I have to believe that there are those who definitely needed to hear what you've had to say today and I pray God that we've gotten it that it didn't pass in and right back out but that we we captured it we understood it and now we're going to apply it to our lives may you be greatly glorified as a result for it's in Jesus name we pray Amen.